You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Guys, I want to wish you a very happy Mother's Day and Mother's Day weekend. Uh, maybe you're at our Olathe campus or our South Overland Park campus in the venue or auditorium. Uh, maybe you're online somewhere. Uh, we just hope you have not just a happy Mother's Day, but you experience the joy. Uh, there's a joy in Christ that's available to you. Uh, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit you find in Galatians chapter 5. So I promise to introduce our special guest in just a moment. But before we begin, I want to give you an update on our North Overland Park campus. So we asked you to pray about a year ago. We were looking for locations. Several weeks ago, we asked you to pray. Last week, we asked you to pray. We nailed down, we're actually launching a North Overland Park campus at 103rd and Antioch. And so we nailed down two more details this past week, a campus pastor and an actual launch date. So our campus pastor is going to be our own Chris Fetters. He's going to move from his role of our director of family ministries over into that campus pastor role of our North Overland Park campus. In addition, we nailed down our launch date of September 30th of this year, just four and a half months away. We were able to move that up because the Unity Church meeting there agreed to, to move out earlier. So they're moving out earlier, which is great for them, great for us too. But what that means, by the way, is that we're going to have huge needs for ministry, for people to step up. We're sending an entire team to 130 Antioch, so both our South Overland Park location and North Overland Park need you to serve. It also means we're planting twice in September. We're planting at the start of September an independent church, a different church called Real Community Church, sending out Shannon Zabruski to Lee Summit. That's September 9th. Then at the end of that month, we're sending out to North Overland Park, our own Chris Fetters, to start our third campus of Grace Church in North Overland Park. And so we're planting twice in September. For more information, by the way, on that campus, we're going to keep updating the website, but go to visitgracechurch.com slash northop. There you can find out informational meetings, how you can connect with this, find out what's going on there. We need you. Absolutely. All right. Let me introduce our special guest this week, and I'll talk about her. This is my mom, Pat Janolfo. Let me talk about her for a second. Absolutely. Thanks. And so let me tell you about my mom for a second. My mom is smart and she's funny and she's tough and she's caring and compassionate. She is a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, she was a public school teacher for over 25 years and she was the pioneer, one of the pioneers of the special education area. She's a special ed teacher. She still teaches to this day. She teaches every single weekend in our Grace Kids Ministry, where you should be teaching, either there or Grace students. And so we need you, by the way. That's another plug. Uh, she actually teaches uh, third to fifth grade students. And uh, my, my mom is a card. I have, she's, this is Mom Unleashed this weekend, so I have no idea what she's going to say or do. Um, she's very funny. Uh, she's a bit of the kid whisperer, by the way. If you go to class with her... Those, those challenging kids, she's kind of the kid whisperer. And so she's a great mom and a great grandma, probably learned on the hard case of my sister and I. I uh, and so she, I'm so excited to have her teaching this weekend. Would you join me in all of our locations? I don't care if you're in a car. Well, yell, don't clap. You're in a car, uh, unless you're not driving. Or you're at Olathe <laughs> or our South Overland Park campus. Give it up for my mom, Pat Chinoffo. Hey. <laughs> all right. Mama, do you want to start off with, uh, what do you want to say this service? I see a lot of 
familiar faces out here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I am so thankful to be here. As Tim knows, and some of you may know, I'm thankful to be anywhere. But today, <laughs> I'm really thankful, and I'm thankful yeah. for Mother's Day. Yeah. And I'm really hoping that people see that an old lady can still have a sense of humor, laughter and Jesus and pie all in the same person. <laughs> I want you to know that. You can have it all. Yep. Yeah. Because I do. Yeah. And we talked about, it was funny because I asked you, it was five months ago, at a, I, you reminded me, I kind of forgot where I asked you. It was at a concert, yes. high school concert. Actually, you did ask, Tim. You told me. <laughs> I told. Okay, yeah. There's I a volu- difference. So I'm leaving a uh, concert, walking by you, and I said, hey, mom. Hey, mom. I, um, hey, we're going to be teaching together Mother's Day weekend on Eve. You ought to start reading up on Eve. She- yeah, he chose to tell me. <laughs> Uh, he stood up. We were at a concert uh, at the Blue Valley High School. He stood up, and all, yeah. of course, I see is legs going by me yep. and a voice that says, oh, and by the way, you're going to be preaching with me, teaching a message on Eve on Mother's Day. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> what? Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you something. How many of you ask your mother to go to work? On Mother's Day. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mama. All right. Just let that be a lesson to you. I would say this is a bit dangerous because she's getting more and more comfortable. And uh, I am. So, okay, Mom, yeah. I want you to do the pictures. Who are these people right. in this, these photos? These people, the lady with the roses, uh, that's my mother. My grandma, yeah. She was 14 years old and... She won Miss Harrisonville, Missouri. Yeah, I'm like, Mom, my grandma was a hottie. Look at this. 14-year-old winner of Miss Harrisonville. Can I, I didn't look like that at 14. So you can imagine me growing yeah. up with this confident, beautiful woman. Uh, but she turned out, she went ahead and had kids, and I was one of them. And that's me. That's you. Yeah. And you can tell from my expression that even at a very young age... I wanted my opinions to be You're sticking your tongue out, yeah. So there's you on Mother's Day. There's your mom and my grandma. And then the next slides, who are these people? All right, the next picture is, this is the one Tim definitely wanted to show. because That is not true. You keep saying that. Yes, it is. No, it is true. Uh, Because it's Tim. That's me. That's Tim demonstrating the first side eye he ever gave to me. Yeah. And these two kids over here are my kids, Angie and Tim. Yep. Now, they're wonderful kids. They were wonderful kids. <laughs> That's the only time I ever pictured them together in the same chair. We fought a lot. Okay, we fought a lot. Until they were adults. Now yep. they can be in the same room and everything. <laughs> they did oh boy. the best thing for me ever. Yeah. They turned me into a grandmother, which I knew early on from my own three wonderful grandparents, grandmothers particularly, I was going to make a wonderful grandma. I just knew it. I'm a happy old lady with four wonderful grandchildren. That's right. right. And so you did good. Now, I did, though, ask God at the time. (laughs) I know. You might want to say a little prayer for Tim right about now. <laughs> oh, boy. 
I did ask God at the time if it wasn't possible that we could have a redo and I could have those grandkids first. <laughs> They're a lot more fun, I can They're tell you that. They're a lot more fun. Yep. So we're starting a brand new series. We're starting a series on women, key women of the Bible. Five weeks, five key women. We're going to be studying Deborah and Esther and Hannah and the woman at the well. We're going to have women teaching and team teaching in our whole series. And this week we're doing Eve. We're calling it divinely designed because each of these ladies represent a character quality of God and something every man, woman, and child needs to learn from. So uh, this week, here's the big idea. Like Eve, we were designed for God. We're going to see like Eve, the first woman in history. We also were designed for God. And and we're going to see that Eve, you pointed out there's kind of three seasons of Eve's life. Her creation, as God intended her to be used by God. Then satanic temptation to stop what God was doing. And then God's redemption. And that's the same path we have. Creation, temptation, redemption. And so just like Eve, we were designed for God. We're, We're designed for God's pleasure, God's glory. You're not designed for you. I'm not designed for me. She's not designed for her. You're designed for God's pleasure, God's purposes. Guess where you find joy? In his purposes, his pleasure, his plan for your life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to pray. My mom's going to pray. And then we'll dive into these three seasons of her life. So mom, can you take it away? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today to share the story of Eve, Adam and Eve, and how they came to be that we're in the image of them and thank you so much for the opportunity today to be here with all these wonderful people and I just pray that somebody in this room somebody out there listening somebody online even might hear us something today that spurs them to want to follow Christ too because it is so much of an easier path to take in Jesus name we pray amen amen All right, guys, just like Eve, we were divinely designed for God's purposes. So let's look at the first season of Eve's life in Genesis 1 and 2, which was creation. God created her perfect, sinless, with a perfect plan for her life. The same plan, by the way, God has for you and for me. So, Mom, you actually had Genesis 1.27 in your studies. You said that was a verse that jumped out to you. Yeah, after Christmas was over, I decided I would study through Genesis, and then then I began reading commentaries. I thought, well, okay, I'll get in and read commentaries. What other people have said, these scholars, about Adam and Eve, and oh my gosh, there are a lot of opinions, and a lot of them are really one side or the other. Now, mm-hmm. I said this last time, and Tim went, oh, <laughs> so get ready. <laughs> One of the things most of the scholars that I read failed to point out was that Genesis one twenty seven is really the most important part to me, at least. Well, that was a good point. What are you talking about? So let me read it. Yeah, please. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Yeah. So some of those people that were opining about the the existence of Adam and Eve and which was more important or the other, they were missing that point. They were both designed from the image of God. And my pastor tells me that. My pastor tells me. Okay, that's what I roll my eyes. I said, just call me My pastor, well, he wears a lot of hats for me. He tells me that when things are repeated, 
they're really important. And so we can see here that that's important. Both Adam and Eve. They bore the image of God. It was repeated are twice. Both from the image of God. And that's something she, in our first discussions about this message, she said, man, it says they both were created in his image. Yet they're both direct creations. Neither one were born. Both were directly created. Both Adam and Eve had the image of God. Both Adam and Eve were created for God's purpose. There's some differences that God intentionally created for complementing each other, but both bear the nature of God. You can learn about God's nature from looking at Adam and Eve. And then Genesis 2, verse 18, if you want to take on Genesis 2, 18 now. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And it was the word helper that a lot of people had problems with because to them helper meant she was going to be schlepping behind Adam, picking up his stuff and putting it away. Every woman in this room knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Come on, you know that. (laughs) Helper actually means much more than that. It comes from the Hebrew word meaning strength. Helper is strength. God even calls himself our strength. Yeah. So if you want to see some proof of that, go visit a preschool. Those people teaching those kids, yeah. they have strength. Go look at a hospital. Find a woman who is being an advocate for somebody who's been hospitalized. Yeah. You're going to see strength. And that's what Eve is. And that's what we all have. Yeah. So we talk about the Hebrew word for strength. In fact, often we, the word helper even almost implies somebody lesser. So I'm, I'm the main person, you're my helper. And so a lot of commentators say, well, she's just a helper, that kind of thing. But then you made a comment in our time. You said, hey, Tim, I think the word helper, Eve is connected to warrior. This word helper is connected to warrior. And I went, can you give me that blog? That says she's connected to warrior because I, I want to see it. So she gave it to me, I found did. it. <laughs> then we looked up, we looked up the actual word. The word is Azer, E-Z-E-R, E-Z-E-R, Azer, which means helper. God created her as a helper, Azer. But sure enough, God calls himself, I am your helper. Psalm 115, I am your helper and shield. I am your helper and shield. Being a helper is not a weak position. It is a strong position. It is helping other people. So when God created Eve, gave her a purpose, you are the helper. You're just like me. I'm a helper, God says. You're a helper. Frankly, believers in Jesus Christ are helpers, helpers also. De- Deuteronomy 33, 29 illustrates this. It says, happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. The shield of your azer. God is the shield of your help. The same word. Eve, you're going to be a helper, not secondary and not weak. God is that. He is a helper. The sword of your majesty, your enemies shall submit to you and you shall tread down their high places. And so sure enough, this word helper is connected often to warrior strength, God's nature. In fact, if you turn to first Thessalonians five, verse 14, we are told as believers to be helpers over and over and over in practical ways to Christians. Look at these four verbs, these four action words, and say, when do you help other Christians with these words? When do you warn Christians? Hey, hey, is this maybe the best option there? When do you comfort the faint-hearted Christians? Azer, help. When do you uphold the weak? I'll, I'll lift you up. When are you patient with all 
other Christians. See, these are active words. See, God created Eve as an azer, a helper, because God is an azer, a helper, because God made believers in Jesus Christ an azer, a helper. And frankly, we were talking about, if you're not helping somebody else, a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to be unhappy and good because you should not be happy and content living your life, not as an Eve, an azer, a helper. It's your, it's your design. So that's season one, creation. Just like Eve, we were designed for God to be an azer, a helper. But then Satan tempts her. So that's the second season of her life is temptation. Season two, temptation. Here's the deal. Satan is real. He is invisible. Demons are invisible, but they hate God and they hate you and they hate God's plan. And they will do whatever it takes to stop you from being who God made you to be, an azer, a helper like God, to get you focused on yourself or confused about who God is or the Bible. That's the attack. It'll attack what you think God is. God loves everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't love me. God promises for everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 but he doesn't promise for me. I don't believe the Bible's really true. When that happens, he's got you. You see this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Genesis 3, verse 1 says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. Here comes Satan to ruin God's plan for you to be an azer, a helper. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Okay, so here's how Satan comes to attack good, kind-hearted, sincere believers in Jesus Christ, confusing them about God or the Bible. You see what he says, he's... The serpent said, has God, there's the first attack on God's nature. Do you think God really cares about you? You don't believe that. God, God answers other people's prayers. You sin too bad. You're too wicked. You're, you're not redeemed. That prayer stinks. God would answer you or what he said. You don't believe the Bible is true. Come on, we can pass that right now. You don't believe the Bible is really true. If you can confuse you about God or the Bible, he's gotcha. So he misquotes the Bible. Then Eve gets closer, but she also misquotes the Bible. And then Satan flat out just says, the Bible's not true. It's just not true. And God's trying to keep you from something good. He accuses God's, God's desire for you. God really doesn't care about you personally. So when Eve takes the fruit, she's absolutely, totally deceived. It's going to be okay. Honey, come here. It's okay. She's totally confused about God, the Bible, and deceived, totally deceived. And she takes it, hands to her husband. He's not deceived. Dude, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. I don't care. He's not deceived in these sins. Mom, read these, read these verses. It's Genesis 3, verse 6. And, and as I'm reading this, remember that there were three ways to be tempted. And yeah. I've been tempted by all three of these. And I still am today. Yeah, we all are, right? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. So we see the flesh. Flesh, there's the food. She saw for food. Yeah. Close your ears because he doesn't like this next one I talk about. Our eyes. Oh, (laughs) the example. All right, here's my example. It's not my fault that I'm wearing another pair of new shoes. 
Satan made me do that. Yeah, so she keeps telling people, she keeps teaching heresy. Satan I, made me buy these shoes. Just wanted you to Satan know. Satan did not make you buy those all right, shoes. All right, but he doesn't have to know that. Anyway, yeah. I got new shoes, and I saw them, and I wanted them. Well, that's true. And I got them. That's true. But the biggest one that gets me, and probably gets all of us, is our pride. Yep. My arrogance, your arrogance. Yep. When we think we can do it alone, when we think we don't need help, when we think... I got this. Yeah. You don't got this. Not unless you got God with you. Yeah. So Eve, in the story, Eve had three temptations from Satan in that moment, which we all share. She saw it. There's a fleshly temptation of wanting it for her body. There's an eye temptation, thinking, if I don't have this, I'm not happy. And then an arrogance temptation. If I just do things on my own, I'll be happy, independent of God. Those same three temptations Jesus is tempted with in Matthew chapter 4. Turn the stone to bread fleshly temptation. I'll show you the kings of the world if you bow down to me. Lust of the eyes. Pride of life. Arrogance. Just jump off the temple. Let him carry you. Arrogance. Pride of life. Which also 1 John 2, right down 1 John 2, uh, 15 to 17, are the same three temptations we all face. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. Pride of life. And in Adam and Eve, you find the two different ways we sin. When we sin, we either are totally deceived like Eve... It's going to be okay. It's okay. I'm not going to die. Or we are not deceived. Dude, this is so wrong. This is so bad. And I know it. And I don't care. So really, which one is worse? I mean, they're they're both bad. And by the way, if you're interested in where God lays the blame for sinfulness on humanity, it's not on Eve, it's on Adam. Romans 5, over and over, for by one man, one man, one man, sin entered the world. Okay, she blames on the guy. So... Now, Paul refers to this story regarding the church and says, guys, if you're a Christian, it's easy to turn into Eve like that. Satan will confuse good-hearted Christians about God's love for them, promise for them. Well, he didn't care about me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't listen to me. I'm not worthy. You start listening to the voices instead of God's voice. And you don't believe the Bible or God. But you see this, Paul actually quotes this and says, we all are susceptible to becoming Eve in this moment. Second Corinthians 11, verse 3, Paul quotes this, says, but I fear to a church, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, he's wiser than all people. And she was absolutely, totally deceived. So your minds, your thoughts may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So Satan tries to confuse you, get you corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. And mom, you said there was a word in that passage that jumped out at you. What was that word? Simplicity. Yeah, so why is that? You said simplicity resonated. Well, the older I get, and thank goodness I keep getting older, I get smarter because I realize that if you have a whole lot of choices, it's hard to make a decision. At least it is for me. And I think it is for a lot of people. But if it's a simple choice, it's an easier choice. And to me, it's like, okay, he's knocking at your door. You look at and you see Jesus. Okay, you got a choice. Am I going to open the door and let him in, make my life easy, or am I going to shut the door and just keep fighting on my own? So to me, it's an easy choice. And the Bible, it really is simplicity. Christian life is very simple. It may be hard to do sometimes, but it's very simple. 
See, we are sinners and could do nothing for ourselves. Nothing. So Jesus did everything. He was incarnated in this world by his power, lived the perfect life by his power, died on the cross to pay for all your sins, past, present, future, by his power. He was buried in a tomb by his power for you. He rose again by his power. He ascended to heaven by his power. He was glorified in heaven, is seated at the right hand of God by his power. It's all him, none of your efforts, and your job is to believe. That's your job. It's his grace. And our hardest work is to believe the truths about God and the Bible. It's just very, very, very simple. Um, and then in the power of that belief, then we do. Then we do in the power of that belief. And so guys, just like Eve, we were designed for God to be an azer, a helper. God is a helper. Strong, not secondary, helper. Eve was a helper. We are helpers. Satan will try to stop you from your design. But the good news is, after Adam and Eve sinned, and they cover themselves in the first camouflage outfit in the history of the world. They grab fig leaves to cover up their nakedness. You know, every time somebody sins, they typically don't expose their sin. There's a cover-up. There's hiding it, erasing it, covering it up, making sure nobody finds it. First cover-up in history is a camouflage outfit. They cover in fig leaves. They're hiding among the forest. And this it leads to the redemption season right now. And essentially, after, in this moment... We talked about how Jesus Christ in the Garden of Eden, because he was there, he's the voice of the Lord, Lord walking. Who walks? Jesus Christ before he's born. Um, and then also Jesus in the Garden with Adam and Eve is very similar to Jesus when he was with the woman caught in adultery. This group threw a woman caught in adultery. The very act, without the guy, mind you, at his feet. And how did Jesus with a woman caught in adultery or with Adam and Eve deal with it? Well, how would many of us deal with this? If you're a parent, if you're a leader, we'd walk in, see the, see the fig leaves and go, Hey, get out here. That is the most ridiculous. Co- Take that ridiculous fig leaf costume. Did you sin? Did you do the one thing I asked you not to do? How could you do it? We would lead with anger, frustration, and statements. Which, by the way, I got changed. Back in January, I got transformed and changed. Even as a, a leader and a dad, I would be doing some of that before then. Not now, praise the Lord, but before then, absolutely. Here's how God deals with sin. He's safe. Whether it's in the garden or with a woman caught in adultery, he's calm. He asks a question. He waits. He's calm. He asked another question. He waits. That's Jesus with the woman caught in adultery. Caught in the very act. That's Jesus with Adam and Eve caught in the very act of sinning. It shows you great leadership. Great parenting. We both talked about, boy, I wish I knew this years ago. You said you wish you knew it with oh, me. Oh, yes, yes. And yeah, then, I wish uh, I'd known that earlier. I wish I know it with uh, my older two. Mm-hmm. I'm getting kind of a do-over with our four-year-old here. Mm-hmm. And a different dad also with our older ones right now. But in this moment, this is amazing. Nothing has changed. They're both covered in fig leaves, Adam and Eve. They're both terribly ashamed. But God uses Adam, the husband, to speak a promise to his wife when nothing has changed. Listen to this promise. It's amazing. Mom, why don't you read? It's Genesis 3, verse 20. you got to remember, as I read things, I kind of see them like a movie. So I'm picturing frightened Eve. She just got caught. Ugh. But Adam speaks to her and he says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all 
living. Yeah. And the thought occurred to me, she was scared. She'd messed up big time. And yet, God was promising her that her life was important. In fact, she was going to be life-giving. Yeah. She was going to be a mom and a grandma eventually. She didn't know what any of those things meant. Yeah, she's like, what's a mom? Yeah. Yeah. But even at the deepest part of her sin, God said, I've got big plans for you. Yeah. And you looked up her name. Her name, Eve, literally means what? It means, uh, in the Hebrew baby name Bible thing that I looked up, it was so cute. It said Eve meant uh, giver of life, yeah. life. Well, the one I particularly liked was lively. Yeah. Because I know all of you know lively Christians that you like to be around. Because you see that light within them. Yeah. And so I like the word lively. Yeah. Don't miss this, guys. This is a husband. He has sinned and she has sinned. They both are terribly ashamed. In this moment where nothing has changed, the husband speaks the promise of God to her, speaks life to her and says, Honey, here's who you are. You are I mean, your name is life. Because you're going to bring people in the future to life. I'm telling you, that's spiritual leadership. In the midst of darkness and shame and failure to speak a truth to somebody about their future, who they really are, honey, you're a life. That's amazing spiritual leadership. That's what God does with us. Sees us as we will be someday, not as we are. But then he has to change her clothes because this is clothing number two. They had the clothing of God, the glory of God. They lost it. They cover with fig leaves. Outfit number two, and now God's got to change their clothing. So, Mom, you take on Genesis 3, verse 21 now. Genesis 3, 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And when I read that, I'm such a... I love movies. I love watching movies. I love reading about movies. I pictured the red carpet at the Oscars and somebody with a microphone going over and going, Oh! Who are you wearing? I'm wearing uh, Gucci, wearing Armani, <laughs> wearing Prada. Really? And then they go to Eve, right? So they go to Eve and say, Eve. oh, so Eve, who are you wearing? I'm wearing God. I'm wearing God. Say, so you like these skins? <laughs> Got some blood on them still, but I, I'm wearing, I'm wearing God. Yeah. And that's the thing. So he changes her clothing. Think about this. So God comes, he's calm. He asked a question, calm. Asked her the question. Great leadership, great parenting. And then he talks about the consequences of their sin. There are curses, there are consequences. And then he says, your, your clothing, you can't cover this thing up. That's your works. You can't cover this up. There's no cover up for your sin. An innocent being has to die for you. So God himself kills an innocent animal. Sacrifices the innocent. So their sins could be forgiven. By the blood sacrifice covered in the skin. By the way, that's a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ because our own efforts, our own efforts are fig leaves. We cover up nothing. Sins are still there. So God sacrificed 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ, he was the innocent one at the cross, sacrificed for us. And not only is his sacrifice hugely important, but you have to choose to clothe yourself 
Who are you wearing today? Well, I'm wearing the Lord. You like these skins? I'm wearing the Lord. Guess what? We saw in the New Testament, we are called to put on the Lord. You literally wear Jesus Christ. If you follow Jesus Christ, you have to continually put off the old stinky clothing of your flesh and then clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. You see this Ephesians chapter uh, 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 24 and 25. If you just look at verse 21 uh, and 2, you're supposed to put off the old nature, your flesh, the old sinful nature. And in verse 24, and that you put on the new man. Who are you wearing? I'm wearing the Lord. Literally, I'm wearing the Lord which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And mom, we did that this morning as we prayed for people in the service. We prayed for ourselves. We actually prayed on the six pieces of the armor of God, the armor of light in Ephesians chapter six. What were we doing? We were putting on Jesus. Who are you wearing? I'm wearing Jesus. That's who I'm wearing. And we do that because we want to be Eve's bringers of life. You can't be a bringer of life until you put on Christ. And that's the very next verse. How do we bring life? By our words, the words of life. Verse 25, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth, the life-giving truth of God with his neighbor, people near you. For we are members of one another. So just like Eve, we were designed for God. We were designed to be an azer. God is our help He's our azer. Eve was a helper, an azer. We are supposed to be helping an azer. But Satan and demons hate you, God, and God's plan. They're going to try to trick you about God. doesn't really love you personally. It's not about you personally. The Bible's not really true personally. Now he's got you. God comes in with the sacrifice. says, you are an Eve, a life giver. Let me change your clothing. Put on Christ. You'll bring people life. And mom, you even said that you, the way you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, uh, the way you received it, was life, death, life. Can you share that story? Um, Two of the funniest people I ever met in my life were my parents, Paul and Edith. Paul and Edith looked at life and their families looked at life and always seemed to find the funny things. And there is. There's funny things out there. People say you're funny. went, no, no, no. Funny things happen to me. But I think it's how we perceive them. You might notice, and if you haven't noticed, I will say a prayer for you, that Tim has a sense of humor. It's in his DNA. It came from Paul and Edith. Flowed through me. Now it's in his children. That's how I was raised. That and pie. My mother was such a wonderful cook. So I have these really nice memories Every night after school, we'd have dinner, sat down. We would talk about our day, eat my mother's wonderful food, and laugh a lot. And that was great. That was just great. When I was 12 or 13 years old, though, I began going to this one particular church, and I met this lady named Sue. She was our Sunday school teacher in our church for the girls. And I watched her talk about the death of her husband. And I then could contrast that to how my parents handled death. Uh, I had a baby brother. He was, it was 1950. He was two months old. He died of SIDS. And after that, my mother was never, ever the same. 
Uh, she didn't talk about death. She couldn't even use the word Michael. She just referred to him as the baby. When I got to the Sunday school teacher part of my life and I watched Sue talk about the death of her husband and how she just lay on the bedroom floor and prayed that he wouldn't die. But if he did die, she said, I prayed that it would be okay, that I'd be all right and it would be okay. And I thought, wow, what a difference. But I knew right then and there I wanted all of it. I wanted laughter. I wanted pie. I wanted Jesus. I wanted all of it. I got all of it because I became a Christian. And I still like pie. And I love Jesus. And I love to laugh. There are still funny things. And I know that every one of us was formed in the image of God. And so when you're formed in the image of God and you profess that and you become a Christian, people look at you and they go, hmm, I want some of that. I want to be like that. That's what happened to me. And that's what can happen to people who look at you and see the light of Jesus coming from you. And that's what I pray for you. Yeah. Well, guys, here's the thing. God loves you so much. He wants you to receive Jesus Christ. Would you please receive him right now? He's he's here. Would you open the door to Jesus Christ by calling out to him? If you are a Christian and you're not living as an azer, a helper... I'm thankful you're not happy with your life. You shouldn't be happy with your life. It's not what you're made for. You're made to be a help. Our vision it starts with the word help. Our vision is to help everyone, azer everyone to become an outward-focused follower of Jesus. I hope you just gain, just say yes to him and start serving him in ministry. Let's pray. God, I pray for those who need to receive Jesus Christ as Savior that they would do so right now. And I pray for those who you're calling to serve in ministry, they would start serving in ministry right now. Lord, please move. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.